Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unleashing the Kingdom with Susan DeBru. I am your co-host, Steve Pixler. And as always, I am super abundantly excited, as is Susan, to be back with you again. We are talking about how the unity of men and women unleashes the kingdom of God into the world, into every realm of life, into business, into education, into politics, and into the family. And speaking of the family, that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we take this message home and how do we deal with it in a practical sense? In other words, what does this message look like in day-to-day family life in the real world? You ready to talk about that? Let's dig in just a little bit deeper. All right, Susan, let's take it home. Let's take it home to where uh, the real world actually happens, where we take this message out of theory, out of theology. We take it out of, you know, nicely bound printed books and we actually begin to live it out. So we have to walk it out at home. We have to walk it out at home. (laughs) That's where any any message really is tested is. Can you live it out? Can you live it in the real world? So let's let's talk about then. Uh, all the things we've been discussing about equality and about finding that balance, what does that look like in the real world? Now, you mentioned in book three, which, by the way, the books are available at kingdombrewing.com. Make sure you have a copy. Buy two or three sets for friends and family. Christmas is coming. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> but book three, you talk about discovering while studying through this process that God never intended for the woman to be the helper, as in man's assistant, right. coming alongside just to be the help. And there's a whole deep, deep study of that biblically in book three. But what happened to you in that was it sort of left you feeling like, okay, then who am I? What am I meant to do? Yeah. What does that look like then in the real world? And that's when you really begin to wrestle with this whole idea of kind of the fluidity and the balance of finding your place. Right. And really what you really began to discover is that it's not a formula. So let's talk a little bit about what does it look like at the DeBru household? What does it look (laughs) like in the real world to walk out unity? So what does it look like if a female has grown up in a culture who said that ultimately by God's design, Mm -hmm. your primary role Mm -hmm. is to serve your man and to be a wife and a mom. Stand by your man. You don't want me to sing with you. It would hurt their ears. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) But um, so if that actually has been woven into uh, millennia of culture, right, and especially religious culture, and here I am just, you know, a few years into my Christian walk and I am immersed in it. Like I didn't just tip my toe in, you know, like I dove in. And so at this point I've had about six years of nonstop studying the scripture and, and attending every class I could anywhere I could and, you know, church three times a week and, (laughs) you know, all of that plus home groups. And I just, I loved every minute of it, but permeated throughout that whole experience was the idea that God had a design for male and female relationships. And that design was women were to be under the men, particularly at home. And it really didn't matter what, what, um, flavor of Christianity you were studying at the moment, even the most liberal as far as Mm -hmm. releasing women still kind of had that idea that, Mm -hmm. but at home, Mm -hmm. a woman's creation was to be the man's helper and to be a homemaker. 
as her primary role. Like it wasn't wrong in some cases for her to work outside the home, but even if she was there to supplement, it was the man's creation to be the head, to be the provider, to be the protector. And it was her role to be the homemaker, the nurturer, the child rearer, and just to be an all round support for him. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, sometimes that could be a beautiful thing. And sometimes we are supposed to play that role. Like, come on, like, but there's sometimes we're not. And so the idea of it being like this religious rule Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden now my being is being defined by a role and a function. I didn't realize as that, as that light was dawning on me that that actually wasn't God's design. Mm -hmm. I had a really hard time shifting from that identity into, well, then what am I? I felt like it was a very hard place because I was like so used to being defined by role. Mm. I was like, well, then what does that mean? What does that look like? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. As opposed to understanding that if I'm one with my husband and we're truly one, not like he's number one mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm number two. Yeah. And it's only when you have a one and two that you fit together mm. that, um, it became more about our relationship. It became relationship-based rather than role-based. Mm. And sometimes we'll even take that uh, false paradigm about being role, and we'll even throw that up into our relationship with the Lord. Like, what am I supposed to do for you, Master? Mm. Right? As opposed to, you know, I love you, and out yeah. of this love relationship, then fruit is born. So right? we become human doings rather than human, human beings. beings, right? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And so when when you come into an idea that, you know what, our roles may shift in different seasons. And uh, and when you said about the DeBrew household, I could tell you lots of stories of how we've done it well and how we've done it badly, yeah. you know, yeah. because we're still growing. Right, you know, right. we are we grew up in different cultures where yeah. the idea of it being like we're just all in. And we're going to do everything, not like we do everything together. There's a division of labor. Right. But that that can shift and be fluid in different seasons. And as long as we're both in agreement and we're both yielding to one another, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so one way that um, I did it wrong in the beginning was I had this mental picture, this role cut out for my husband, that he was supposed to take care of the cars. (laughs) Uh, Do you take care of the cars at home? I do, yes. You do. And yes. that is common among many households. Right. Not all of them, uh-huh. but many of them. And I, I say I do. Jiffy Lube does. Jiffy Lube does. Are you the one that drives it to Jiffy Lube? I, I do, yes. Okay. So, Gregory, I rest my case. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. Um, so, but my father did not like to work on cars, and he often joked that he was an attorney because he wanted to make enough money that he could pay somebody else to work on his cars, right? I, I'm with him on that. Okay. Yeah. So I that was a man heartily. One of his life goals. And so the other thing that he um, both directly and indirectly and even TV and culture at the time drilled into me that as a female, the mechanics would take advantage of me because I knew nothing. I was taught nothing and therefore I knew nothing. And so the idea of taking care of the car in any manner actually elicited great fear in me. Yeah. And I took that fear and I interimposed it onto a role I expected Gregory to do. Hmm. And when we got married, he was like, you're perfectly capable of driving it to Jiffy Lube, you know? Like, he wasn't expecting me to, to all of a sudden learn how to change the oil, but he right. expected me I could, you know, drive down to the corner. 
<laughs> he had even taught his daughter how to change a tire and how to change yeah. her oil. And, you know, I, even my daughter had been taught by uh, my former husband on how to change brakes and, you know, yeah. how to do all that. that. But that was not me. Yeah. And so um, I'll never forget the first time I was sitting in a Jiffy Lube or those kind of, I, we should get av- paid for advertisement. It yeah, actually this is wasn't like a that. sponsor. We need Jiffy Lube to sponsor mm-hmm. this podcast. Yeah. It actually <laughs> wasn't that brand, but it was another one like it, right? And I was sitting in the lobby with tears, fighting back tears the whole time, knowing they were going to ask me a question or propose something that needed to be fixed that I'd have no a clue what it was going to be. And they were going to try to take advantage of me. It was just like that yeah. swirl of fear and yeah. going on. And sure enough they came out and they said your air cabin filter needs is horrible it's clogged like it needs to be replaced i'm like the cabin has an air filter (laughs) (laughs) did you know that the cabin has an air filter i actually did i didn't know that right so so i was like i I don't probably learned it at jiffy lube probably right so i was like uh, you know if they said the oil filter i might have said okay but i've heard of that yeah i didn't even know the air cabin had a filter and so i'm looking them like i don't i just said like i can't purchase that today and they said well it's so nasty like i can't put it back in and and i was like can you leave it out and they said yeah i do it so i left it out i actually left it out so the idea of it being though is that as I was leaving, I realized I had a false expectation wow. that Gregory should be doing that yeah. for me. And I, if I was not careful, I was going to build up a resentment toward yeah. him. Yeah. When he did not, you know, we when we sat down and talked about getting married, like we didn't make this contract with thou shalt take care of my car. <laughs> and, um, and it didn't say it on his birth certificate either. I yeah. checked. And so... <laughs> And so he had a different perspective where he empowered his daughter yeah. to take care of her car. Yeah. And he's not opposed to taking the car for me. Right, he's not like right. he refuses. Right. And so, he, and even now knowing, you know, my struggle with that, he'll take it some, but yeah. so will my assistant take it some and yeah. every once in a while I'll do it. <laughs> um, but, but to force that into a role was unfair to him. Yeah. And so we do have times where also in the beginning of our relationship, I went through a time where I was not well and um, I couldn't work. And um, I was already unemployed at the time when I realized that part of my issue was I was sick. And so we were going through a lot of it. Well, he was 100% the breadwinner. Like I didn't even contribute anything. I had some savings I was throwing on the table, so to speak, but I was not contributing to the household income. And he carried us 100% without complaint. Not one time did he ever be like, well, you need to hurry up and get a job or, you know, it it wasn't like that at all. It was just like we both were all in and we were figuring it out as we went and so then when I created Debris Realty and I began the real estate career it took up a lot of my time and I ended up being the breadwinner Mm -hmm. in this season Mm -hmm. and I'm not at all like well I take care of the bill so you need to take care of something Mm -hmm. else like it's not like that we're not forcing each other into roles that we expect the other one to perform it has to be by mutual agreement and it has to be fluid and so like for our house, for example, you know, right now I can hire a housekeeper that mm-hmm. does the the heavy lifting, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, that does the vacuuming and the, the bathrooms and that kind of stuff. But if if in the seasons where we weren't, Gregory wasn't accustomed to doing that. Mm-hmm. 
And if I just was like, well, you need to clean it half the time or something like that's not fair to him either. Yeah. But it also isn't fair to say, well, it's my job because I'm the female. Right. And so our walking this out has not been perfect. It's just been like we're in process and we are communicating mm-hmm. to, with one another. Like this week, for example, because I knew this podcast was coming up, I took note of the fact that um, Gregory made a comment. Right. And so um, and it perked my because I was like, oh, that has to do with our topic today. And um, my husband writes a daily devotional called the Daily Vitamin. Mm-hmm. It is a great devotional. It's a little just like one scripture and one thought that yeah. it's like a little like a vitamin, like a little dose of nu- spiritual nutrition yeah. on a daily basis. And I love it. And what I love most about it. Sorry, ladies, I know you're going to be jealous, <laughs> but my husband actually reads them to me live every morning with his arms wrapped around me. Like there's nothing that ministers to my soul like that. Right. And so then um, after he does that, I've just recently started like reading through it to edit it, you know, grammar and stuff, you know, that's not been his gift. His gift is more on the spiritual level. Mine can be more on the nuts and the bolts. (laughs) Um, And while I was doing that, he unloaded the dishwasher. And when I walked back in with it, he said, you know, I unloaded the dishwasher. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, a lot of women joke that they have to, you know, say thank you to the guys for helping, you know, and sorry, guys, we just, we want to be noticed. Yeah, we want, yeah. And I just remembered to notice your wife when she unloads the dishwasher. Um, But no, 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 not at all. Like he wasn't not necessarily doing it for for that, but a comment came out, which just shows like the ingraining in us of he, he has been walking this journey with me for years and he is probably one of the greatest advocates of me, um, being equal and being successful and not put pigeonholing me into any role like mm. he is the best and yet even with that heart attitude a comment came out he was like well i wanted i just wanted to help you out yeah and i looked at him and i said help me out and he's like help us out it's <laughs> our not your job it's our job you know like and so we catch yes. ourselves yes. in the process but it just goes to show you that even after 10 years how ingrained that yeah. is in yes. us i could still say well you should take care of the car and he's like well you should take care of the dishwasher and yeah. that's not true we all should be doing things together yes. And talking with one another, like, hey, I really don't want to do that right now. Yeah. Or I can't. Or yeah. will you help me? Yeah. And um, there's also, sorry, just a rant, be on a rant. Oh, I no, feel this like, is good. Okay. This is good. Yeah, this is a good rant. <laughs> okay. We like rants. We do good. like rants. But I also <laughs> want it to be interactive. But the other thing, too, is that it also comes down to not just role, but it comes down to gifting. Yeah. So, for example, if something breaks in our house and you think I'm going to fix it, like, oh, yeah. That is not going to happen. Like I have two left hands mm-hmm. and I have no capacity or interest in how to learn. Yeah. And a lot of that happens a lot for females. And it could be because that's how I was reared and that's how my mother was reared. And that's how my grandmother was reared. Like I know that's not necessarily genetic or wiring by design. Um, because, for example, my sister-in-law, Susie, like she's incredibly mechanical and she mm-hmm. can fix anything way better than my brother. Mm-hmm. So it's not always pigeonholing into mm-hmm. to gender. But in our home, like if something fixes, like that's Gregory's job, yep. you know, or I'm going to hire somebody. Right. Like it's not going to be me. But if you're talking about let's let's get all the, the things in order for, for, for doing taxes or investments or something like 
that's going to fall more to me because, mm. you know, Gregory's not going to do it. He's going to hire somebody else to do it, like right. with me with the doing repair. So part of it is gifting. Yeah. And part of it is just being flexible as the seasons change. Yeah. Gregory couldn't give birth to babies or nurse them. Right. But he's more nurturing than I am. Yeah. And so if we had to do things o- over again, and it was just he and I starting our families, like he probably would do a better job, actually, of being the one to spend if if we have to divide where one goes away to work which Mm -hmm. that also is new in human history Mm -hmm. where the man goes away from the family to work and so you know hopefully we wouldn't have to divide hopefully we could do something together but he would definitely be more nurturing than i am yeah how does it play out in the pixler household well um it's very interesting because i came from a, a, a an even more I don't know if the word would be traditional because we were we were super legalistic. So like for example, my dad always taught and my mother would still be very shaped by the worldview that says a woman should not work outside the home. Mm. So we took it even further. And now this was not true uh, in most of my denominational or religious life. In other words, in our community, there were a lot of people within our community where the wife did have a job or she did work, but my dad took very literally the teaching of Paul that the woman is to be the keeper at home mm-hmm. and that let the young women Titus too. Yes, let the young women marry, bear children, guide the house. And he actually felt on some level that it was sinful for a woman to have a job outside the house with exceptions being if her husband was, you know, unable if she was a single mom or whatever. But uh, he would preach it very strong and I inherited that and followed that for the first few years of my ministry and just feeling like that was the right model and that scripture very clearly taught it, I thought, and so we needed to to stand by that because it's what it taught. Well, over time, that shifted. So in our household, it was an even, probably an even deeper and stronger mindset. Mm -hmm. So when Gene and I got married, it's not that I wouldn't help with things around the house or whatever. It was just that it was a very clear set of, of role expectations for her and for me. Um, and so it over the years, as my views on women in leadership and just kind of my whole view on, on all of that began to shift, one of the things that did begin to shift in our household was um, me starting to realize I need to help with, with what's happening here. So... In our home today, our home would still look very traditional in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We have six children. Four of them are still school age and at home. So Gina, it mostly um, stays at home, you know, and works at home. I also and that work, is a lot of work. And it, and it is. <laughs> and a it's lot an of people, honorable. A thing. lot of people don't know how much work it really is. Yeah. You know, just the laundry that we do that is done uh, in our house. Um, it's just unbelievable. But And I work from home. So, like, we'll do things like I take Nicholas and Christopher to school. She'll take Anna and Ella. That's because Anna and Ella want her to, to go with them. They like that. And so she'll take them, and I get started with my work as she's taking them to school. The other two go earlier. And so I take Christopher at 630. I take Nicholas at 7, and she takes the girls at 730. And so we kind of divide you that up. You almost need a chauffeur. We basically do, yeah. <laughs> And a housekeeper would be yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, Gina would love that. But um, but coming, then like in the, in the evenings, 
most of the time I'm still working pretty furiously at that. So I may go pick up Nicholas. Christopher walks home because the school's across the street. I take him in the morning because it's still dark, but he walks home in the afternoon. And so we have to pick up the girls. So usually Gina will kind of do that. As far as the division within the house, I learned a few years ago to start helping with the dishes. That was not something that I did ever before. Um, and it was, and it became for me, I heard, I heard someone say, whoever messes up the dishes should help clean them. And I was like, well, that makes sense. You know, this is not me doing this for Gina. This is, so she doesn't need to say, Oh, thank you. No, no she usually <laughs> yeah. does. If you know, yeah. if I do it, but, but no, and I, it's I courtesy, that's right. right. And, but we I do the same, I do the same for her. Yeah, so in good. other words, mm-hmm. I try, I try to be very verbal and expressing thanks for she does do most of the cooking. Yeah. And Gregory and I do thank each other a lot both. Right. She does do most of the cooking. Um, She's a much better cook. You know, I have a very limited menu. If I'm going to do the cooking, it's probably going to be tacos, maybe spaghetti. It's like ground beef and whatever kind of goes with that. That's kind of the limit of my, now I do the grilling. If we're going to do grilling, I enjoy that. So I'll throw steaks on or chicken on or whatever and grill stuff. So we kind of divide that up. The one thing that I still have never done, and it's not that I have never helped, like I'll help her when she tells me what to do, but the one thing I still have never done is laundry. And the reason for that is she is super particular about how the laundry is done. And I'm so scared I'm going to put some color in with the wrong thing and put the wrong detergent in. I'm going to mess it all up. So she's she doesn't even want me to help her with that. Right. She's very particular about that. Now, I will go help get things out, you know, pull it out of the dryer. I've helped fold clothes. I, I can do all of that. But even when I fold clothes, I don't get it like she likes it. She has a particular way she wants the towels not only to be folded a certain way, but when they're in the linen closet, there's a certain side of the towel that's supposed to be visible. Did you know this? I did, actually. Yeah, I did not. My husband laughs at me. He's, <laughs> I was putting away some children's books the other day, and he comes by and he goes, are you alphabetizing them? <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Had a little more time, I would. <laughs> so basically, just in a very practical sense, the chores around the house, uh, we tend to divide up. Now, Gina has a trigger point with, with taking out the trash. Because she heard her mother fuss a lot about the trash not being taken out. And so it got in her head that if I don't take the trash out, it's because I'm not being thoughtful. I'm not being kind and considerate, which was never the case. Um, I'm certainly willing to do it. I often just don't think about it. But and again, so, that was an ingrained role. It, it, yes, exactly. With an it's emotional. It's the man's job. With a meaning behind that, that's it. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you don't love me. Yeah. Which that's extreme. And she would never have actually verbalized it like that. But that's really kind of internally what's happening. If you really love me like you should, you take the trash without me having to ask. The fact that I have to ask means you're not being thoughtful, which is it's actually the only little thing in, in our domestic life that triggers her like that. None of the other stuff ever seemed to. I mean, I run the vacuum cleaner often. I help with dishes. I help clean up the kitchen. I help do different things like that. I've learned to do that. But it's only taking out the trash that – so what we do now is we actually – it's one of Christopher's chores, and we pay him 10 bucks if he takes care of the trash for the See, week. See, we can fix That's it right. by, That's right. by leveraging. And he's making a little bit of money, yeah. and he's loving that. Yeah. We've so, leveraged too. We yeah, have somebody right. take care of the yard, the pool. The, there you go. Yeah. yeah. The, the so the domestic chores, it just kind of ends up falling out with just kind of what needs to be done except for laundry. That's the one place where I'm not allowed – 
But but, um, but she's but she's claiming that she's not upset that you're not helping. Not at all. That's the difference, Sue, because yeah. the whole idea is if you say, well, Gina, your job is the laundry, and you make it a have to. Yeah. rather than a get to now that now she could go about doing that role the whole time but having a level of resentment on the inside yes because absolutely. you've taken away her ability to say you know what i don't want to do that this week hey yeah. i need some help or That's right. or whatever and um you know when you were talking about the trigger with the trash it reminded me of a time that gregory and i um, went to a marriage conference and as part of one of the exercises, one of the things we had to do was tell the other person one area that we would like them to improve on. Oh. <laughs> Luckily, I don't even remember field. what I asked Gregory, <laughs> and I hope he doesn't remember either. Um, but I do remember what he asked me. And this was in a season where we were you know, building the business and, yeah. you know, life was incredibly busy. And when I got home, we were both exhausted. Like neither one of us were going to cook. Right. And, you know, Gregory, he spends himself all day, yeah. literally. Like yeah. he works very physically all day and I would never expect him to come home and start dinner. Yeah. Right. But in that season, I wasn't going home and starting dinner either. There right. was no way. Like it was lucky if I made it home by dinner time. And so the one difference I think for us was that every t- night that we came home and there was nothing planned for dinner, no thought made for dinner, like we're looking at each other, do we have chips and dip or do we go out, right? <laughs> Which can be very expensive and very highly caloric, my size, <laughs> is proof of, of that. But the difference was is that every night I had a guilt about it and condemnation, like I wasn't doing what was expected of me. I wasn't wow. being a good wife. Yeah. And he didn't really know that that was going on inside me all the time. And because um, I really didn't understand the why behind it. And so in this marriage conference, when, you know, one was one thing that I could do better was, well, he like you could cook more. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> I'm trying to build an empire. Yeah. <laughs> and you want me to cook dinner. And I'm thinking and I think that it became a trigger. Yeah. Because I was already feeling guilty about right. it. Right. And it wasn't till later that we really talked about it. And he's like, you know, he really doesn't care. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm the one that took it to heart. He yeah. is, again, probably one of the most gracious people yeah. you'll ever meet in your life. But it was one of those things about ingrained expectations. Yeah. You know, I never would have said, hey, I want you to cook more. Yeah. Because I never expected him to. Right. Because he was a man. Right. Right. And so how does that play out in our everyday world? Like, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for us, beyond the domestic things, it's it would be like uh, I I I handle the bills, but there was a period of our marriage when she did she paid all the bills, she handled all of that. It's so it's kind of weird because we started off in our marriage, I did, and then she took it and did for several years, and then for the last probably fifteen years, I have. So you could be fluid. Yeah, we really mm-hmm. could. And mm-hmm. and neither one of us, I don't think, ever saw that as a male or female role. It was just in that particular season of life, who was most available to do it, who would be most attentive, really, yeah. and make sure we didn't get in a bind, you know, yeah. by not staying on top of it. And so that's a that's a place where, you know, like with my mom and dad, as traditional as you could get, mom always had dinner on the table, you know, when mm-hmm. dad got home, mm-hmm. it was, she never worked and he was very, he'd worked two or three jobs, but she never worked one. And he was very proud of that. She was very proud of that. They felt like it was an expression of righteousness, right. you know, and yet my mom always did the bills. So it was, I never saw that in my rearing. I never saw that as one person's role or the other, mm-hmm. but I think the bottom line in what we're talking about here, and we mentioned this as we were preparing for today's podcast and just thinking it through 
I think the big idea that comes out of it is that there really isn't a formula. No, and that's part of the problem is religion will step in and tell you this is the way you should run your household. Yeah. And you even mentioned uh, Timothy 2. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Titus, Titus 2. 2. Mm-hmm. In Titus t- chapter 2, Paul is talking about, you know, wives should be makers of home. You know, they mm-hmm. should be staying in the house. You know, the older women should exhort the younger women to love their husbands and, you know, to keep the house and that, that kind of idea. And it even says there that they should subject themselves to their husbands. And so if we take that as like God's rule book for the home, we miss the whole point of what Paul's actually talking about again. Mm -hmm. And because what we're religion, there's actually a spirit of religion that wants to take the kingdom out of the interpretation of scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at what Paul's exhortation is in a lot of this, he's talking about, you know, when people are idle, when you have nothing to do, you're going to end up in gossiping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at David, it's not a gender thing, right? When you look at David, when he's supposed to be, yeah. when the season, when, when kings should go to war, when that season came, like he just was hanging back, having a vacation and got mm-hmm. himself in all kinds of trouble with mm-hmm. Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, being idle, not having a purpose mm-hmm. is a really hard place to be. And it, and it like opens yourself up to temptation in all kinds of ways. And here you are in a culture where where were the options for women? Mm. Where else was she going to go to work? Yeah. Right? Very few women were like the Proverbs 31 woman of the Old Testament where she was, she owned businesses yeah. and she did real estate and she was so successful that her husband could sit at the city gates yeah. and, you know, because he had a sugar mama at home. Like, <laughs> that's very uncommon in that yeah. culture because there was no one to do business with her. They wouldn't yeah. even talk to her in public. Right. Right. And so, or like uh, in the uh, in Philippi with Lydia, like yeah. being a maker of purple, very unusual yeah. for that time period. And so what was she to do? You know, he's talking again about coming back to the heart about being subject to your husbands because that's what the culture is expecting, even though now you know your freedom. Yes. And like two, three verses later, it says, and slaves be subject to your masters. Mm-hmm. God's not pro-slavery. No. And he's not pro-women being subject to their husbands. And he's not pro-women just being homemakers. Right. The whole idea is while you understand your freedom and while this kingdom, this culture of love is going to permeate the culture he's like do what you're assigned to do with we talked about it last week if they ask you to go one mile go two you take away the enemy's power to control you when you say i know this may be wrong but i'm going to choose to do it anyway Mm. i may be limited by what's available to me in the culture but i'm going to lay my life down voluntarily you can't take it away from me let me share a story about that because i had an experience that really reflects that subversive nature of love and how when love submits willingly, you break the power of the oppression. Yes. We had a missionary, you know, we've talked quite a bit through these podcasts, these episodes about even some of my own shifting and how I came to see women in leadership. One of the primary influences for changing my thinking on women in leadership was a woman missionary named Janice Alviar from South America, from Brazil. And I had gone down there to be with them several times. They were, uh, first of all, around Sao Paulo, Campinas area, and then they moved up to Maceió, which is north Brazil. And I'd gone to see them in both places and been with them and ministered with them. They had been to our church many times. Well, she's a powerful apostle, but she can't call herself that right. in, the, in the world we were in. So she calls herself missionary, which is okay. 
Um, but she's a powerful apostle. And I mean, her apostolic. They both mean sent one, by the way. Right, exactly. <laughs> and in fact, if you trace back the Latin for missionary, it actually goes back to apostle. But yes. anyway, so so she's this powerful apostle. She's leading hundreds of churches across Brazil. She wow. has. I mean, she tells stories of that's bab- true apostolic. Yes, baptizing in the Amazon with piranha around her. I mean, she has had bandits. You've heard me tell the story about the the bandit who said, "Give me your money, or I'll kill you." And she said, "Oh, I'll, I'll give you my money. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you. But you can't kill me." And and he says, "Missionary, don't you, I will kill you." She said, oh no 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 no. I'll give you my money. I'll freely give you whatever you need. I'll buy you whatever you want. It's, you can have everything I have, but but you can't kill me. And and he just kept saying, don't you know I have a gun? I can kill you. She said, no, but you don't understand. You don't have the power to kill me. God it. holds my life in his hands. Ultimately, the man became so flustered, he ended up like breaking down, and she ended up leading him to Christ. I and he it. became a Christian. It was a powerful, powerful thing. But her willingness to give. <laughs> oh, exactly. Broke so it. What she would do is she would come to our church, for example. Like in our church, she was not permitted to preach. She could share the testimonies about the mission field. But she couldn't preach. And even in some churches she went to, they wouldn't let her on the platform. She couldn't stand behind the pulpit. So they'd give her a mic and she would stand down on the floor. And I remember sitting there watching her, knowing, because I had been to Brazil, that she carried more authority and more power, more fruit (laughs) than all of us combined. I'm looking around the room. Exactly. And I'm thinking, this woman is more powerful in the kingdom than all of us guys. And yet she has to stand down on the floor and hold a mic. And yet she was so willing to submit to that. She was always very careful to ask, basically, what am I allowed to do here? Mm -hmm. She would willingly submit to that. She would present her story. So for me, her willingness to submit to a system that was wrong is what ultimately sowed the seeds in my spirit that opened my heart to this message. Right, and now you're a father of a movement that would empower her. That's what I'm talking about. That's, That's what, what the kingdom Paul does. was talking about yes. in Titus. It wasn't saying the woman's job is, is never to go outside the home. But willing submit, willingly submit to a system that you are destined to change. Yes. That's why Peter can say submit to the king who is persecuting Christians. Zero, like right. it, it makes no sense when right. you're about, but it's my right and my, you know, if I, if I go home and I demand that Gregory cook 50% of the time or whatever, yeah. like that's just ludicrous. Yeah. After all he gives for the kingdom, like I would never ask him to do that. And he actually would never ask me to do that either. Mm-hmm. And so, but when we go home and we're like, we're all in, like whatever, like Gregory will often say, like, you, you can't be 50, 50. Mm-hmm. He will never call me his other half. Yeah. And he will correct yeah, anybody that. who does. Yeah, I've heard that. He does. Yeah. Because he really, really is like, he's, she's like, she'd be no good to me if she was only half. Right. And I'd be no good to her if I was only half. We're both holes. We're both holes. Made one. And it, it's marriage doesn't work either when you're like, like 50 50 like you do your part and i'll do my part yeah it's like no no no, we're all in whatever needs to be done we're all in whatever this season calls us to whatever our giftings are whatever the lord's calling us to whatever we like sometimes there might be times where where maybe i take off for a season because i want to write books or whatever like you know we're going to talk about it together, Yes, you know, and we will yield one to another. And when you do that and you operate in love, we break the enemy's control over yes, us yes. that wants to rob us of the impact and the influence of the true kingdom because we can go through the motions and not release the kingdom. Yeah. 
I could submit to my husband. Yeah. I could tithe at church. Yeah. I could obey the law. I could do all of those things and inside feel hollow, resentful, yes. or whatever. And all of those kingdom principles of submission or tithing or whatever don't release anything in the kingdom unless I'm doing it from the spirit of I get to. Yeah. Like I can choose not to. Yeah, and course. that's why I don't believe tithing is a law. Right. If I make it a law, then I might I might go through the ritual of giving 10% or more Absolutely. every week, but I'm not releasing the no, kingdom. It's a kingdom principle. It has to be a kingdom principle where yeah. if the Lord is, is impressed upon me, this is the season to do that. And here's where you do it. Yeah. Like I'll give to the church. There's times where I'll give more than 10%. Right. And there's times where I'll give it somewhere else. Yeah. And I usually try to give a consistent amount because I know what it's like to run an organization right, right. where y'all can count on that. Right. But I'm also like, that's not a law. No, it's not. And if the moment the Lord says don't, and I'm afraid of what somebody at church might think of me, I better not do it because yeah. I need to break that spirit of man. I have a friend, I think I mentioned this in a sermon I preached a while back. I think I did. But I have a friend that I've actually encouraged not to tithe. Mm-hmm. And I actually believe in the power of tithing I as a principle. I believe I believe there's something about dominion. I think there's a threshold. It's almost like there's a critical mass that happens at the point of the tenth. I think it invites him into the whole. It really yeah. does. It's mm-hmm. just it's exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it's reckoned for the whole. And it's there's really something powerful about that. But I've actually encouraged my friend not to tithe because he came up in an environment where tithing was preached so strong that mm-hmm. for him it's triggering. It's legalistic, yeah. and it distorts the heart of the Father yeah. to him. Yeah. God would rather him not tithe and see him for who he is in the middle mm-hmm. so that when he comes back around to tithing, it'll be out of love yes. and not out of, of law. Because he could go through the motions of, and do it out of law, and it will not release the kingdom power in his finances. That's almost. right. It's almost as if it's counterintuitive. That's what I said in that yeah. message. I think I mentioned tithing, but I know I talked about church attendance. I said sometimes it's wrong to do the right thing. Yeah. You remember me talking about that on yes, a Sunday? Sometimes it's wrong to do, do the right Do you remember the thing. message title so somebody could go back and find it? What would that have been? I'd have to find that. Unlearn, I think. I think it was oh, the unlearn message. Well, unlearn was such a good message. message yeah. So go to myfreedomlife.com slash watch. That's right. Yep. And yep. unlearn is yeah. so good. Yeah. But that was one of the things I felt like the Lord said to me was sometimes it's wrong to do the right thing. And I use several examples in the scripture, yep. you know, but the point is, is that sometimes doing the right thing because it's being done for the wrong reasons is actually more harmful. Yeah. And so like I told my sister, she and I talked a lot about how triggered she is about the obligation to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I told her, well, then stay home. Yeah, don't go. Roll over, sleep right. another hour. You yeah. know, I'm jealous. But, yeah. you know, do what you got to do. But when Holy Spirit has healed that part of you, you're going to start coming to Sunday and showing up early and staying late because you want to be involved in the community because it's family to you and you love it, yeah. and not I from think, obligation. And I think that in that there's actually – a whole generation of what we call nons. Yeah. People who right. are so wounded by church yeah. and people who are so tired tired of a broken system yes, yes, yes. that was outdated and had was no longer bearing fruit of the yeah. kingdom yeah. that they began to just dis uh, disconnect and not attend. And I was one of them for yeah. a couple years, yeah. just a few years ago. And it's not like I was anti-church at all. There was just no place that I could find that had life for Mm. me. And so in it, I had a season where I, and I love church and I'm called to the church. So it's very hard when you know, well, wait a minute, this is my, this is my calling and I'm disconnecting from the thing I love most. And yet in it, I had to be obedient to what the Lord was teaching me to do. 
And two things happened. One, I, a lot of some of that old religious stuff broke off of me, yeah. but also a newfound love and passion for it came in a healthier way yeah. when I went back, yeah. when I found Freedom Life. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, because it was now able to be more kingdom minded. And I was no longer worried if I, I did, wasn't a, I didn't need a role, a title. Like right. I, it was none of that. Yeah. You know, I'm just here because the Lord said, give you a key to my office, give you all a key to my <laughs> office. And because, because I felt life there. Yeah. Right. And so, and when you follow the breath, when you follow the spirit and not the letter of the law, yeah. you're going to release the kingdom because you're obeying the king. Yes. Because you're releasing him everywhere you go and especially at home if we can't do this at home it's not going to work in the workplace it's not going to work in church it's not going to work at school or government or false it has to start at home yes because that's where our because it is relationally based and it flows out of the heart and so you know, Gregory and I are probably like people always are remarking about how awesome our marriage is, right? Because we have an amazing marriage. Yeah. And I, and I can attest to that because I had one. Sorry, people, if you're real religious, but I had one before that wasn't. Yeah. And so I know the difference in the bottom of my soul. Like I walked through hard yeah. where you're trying to be honorable and the other one's not being honorable or where you're walking through pain, like all of, you know, and abuse and all that kind of stuff. Like that is not God's will for marriage. Yeah. It just isn't. And can the God redeem it? Can God heal people and turn them around? Absolutely. But, you know, he also won't force his will on anybody either. And Gregory and I have an amazing marriage because we both appreciate very much what we've had because we know what it's like not to have that and you don't have to have bad to appreciate what you have you can look at other people and go i'm glad i don't have that (laughs) right yeah but um and i think one of the things that makes our marriage so powerful is that gregory loves me even despite my faults yeah right even despite despite the fact i'm still in process yeah and even though I still have wounding. I'm still growing. And uh, I still have insecurities, like all of those things. And I still have false expectations, even of him that, oh, when it comes to my attention, though, and I realize that, like, I'll repent, like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fix it. And he, too, like, he's one that when he sees something or if we call something to his attention, he'll fix it. Yeah. Like, we're both very open and yielded to each other, not just in what we do, but in who we're becoming. Yeah. So yeah. the bottom line is it's not a formula. Nope. It's led by the Spirit. Yep. It's worked out in process. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It's not perfectionism. No. We understand there's going to be a lot of a lot of failures, a lot of falling short, a lot of problems. Yeah. And that uh, one of the things that Gene and I have learned is that our greatest growth comes through times of conflict. Yeah. It's learning how to do conflict well. Yeah. It's learning how to do conflict in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so as, as I heard it said once, it's learning to fight fair. Yeah, and you he's know. Gregory's much better at that than I am. <laughs> yeah. I want to run. Right, yeah. yeah. But learning how to do that and actually having those tough conversations, that's where we grow and that's where we really become more the persons that God has created us to be. So yeah. let's wrap it up. It's not a formula. It's a process. It's not perfectionistic. It takes time, and we have to be led by the Spirit. Yeah. So let's ask a question in conclusion for those who are listening or watching, what's it like for you? What's it like in your experience? Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You could reach out through kingdombrewing.com. You could send us an email. Let us know. Just reach out through the contact form. 
Could they comment on where the podcasts are? They, Some formats they I could? I think. I'm not sure about mm. that. That's a good question. Mm. I know you can do reviews. Okay. But I'm not sure about, and do those reviews, by the way. Oh, all please. All yeah. five stars. <laughs> but um, We'll give you money. No, I'm just on kidding. But on Facebook, I know on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. the, um, um, you can do comments. But I know we also can hear from you uh, through through email, through That's the good. contact on the mm-hmm. website. Yep. But if you have any questions or anything that you say, okay, what does this look like in rearing children? Or what does it look like in finances? What does equality look like in all of that? We'd love to, to hear from you. We'll talk more about it and, and, and interact and discuss yeah, some and of that. Yeah, if you have great ways that work for you, please share because the rest of the world needs right. some great way, things we can try, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Because the bottom line here is that this is not just about developing a theory. It's about walking it out, living it in the real world. It's about unleashing the kingdom in the real world where we live. Where we work, Live, play, work, and play. Wor- live, work, and play. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. A you great wanna... ghostwriter came up with that phrase. Ah, I use ah. that a lot. Yeah. You want to pray us out? <laughs> sure. Sure, sure. So, Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom that unleashes your heart, your power, your spirit, your way of doing things. And Lord, just as Jesus demonstrated on this earth, he came to serve and not to be served. He came to love. He came to lay down his life. And in doing so, he was exalted. And so, Lord, help us in our everyday lives to see how that plays out if we get tripped up if we become offended at our partners if we get resentful if we get exasperated lord show us what we're believing that's not true what doesn't line up with you and help us lord to have your heart for our spouse to have your heart for our children to help us to be able to navigate the everyday stressors of life so those little foxes can't destroy the vine thank you lord for the power of the holy spirit that transforms who we are that transforms our families because we're gonna transform the world in jesus name amen Amen. wow thanks susan powerful prayer Thanks, everyone, for listening or for watching. We're very glad you're a part of this. We can't wait to see how the kingdom is going to be lived out in the real world. Blessings to you all. Bye.